those are words that stagger us when we think about the reality. You are here. Standing in our midst where two or three have gathered together in your name. There you are in our midst. And we worship you. We may be watching at home right now in our car, in our yard, in our bedroom, in our kitchen. But we're joining together with many other believers, dozens and dozens of believers in many different places around the world, North America, perhaps Central America, South America, Asia, Africa, Europe. And you're with us. We are not alone. You are here, standing in our midst. And we just even kind of slow our, our minds down right now. Ask your spirit to kind of help our, our body to slow down, our, our heart rate, our breaths, Lord. We ask you to open our eyes so that we could recognize Jesus. Oh, we need you. You are our life. So we pray now. Come, Abba, Father. Come anointed king. Come holy, holy spirit. Even before, just right now, before we even open the word. We invite you to come. Pour out your father's love on us. Each person, each person who's part of our church family, even extended church family, even those who've joined maybe uh, online here for the first time. We ask you to come, Lord Jesus. Pour out your grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor. That we might know the righteousness of God. And Holy Spirit, pour, pour out your life. Breathe into us the life of God. You are the living water. Some of us might be a pint low. Some of us might be a couple liters low. We ask you, Holy Spirit, would you fill us today? Would you fill us with the life of Jesus? Would you fill us with the love of God? Would you fill us with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Let's sing those uh, final words, if you could, Kelsey and team, just that final, the chorus, you are here.
standing in our midst. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. standing at the, at the door and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I'll come in and we'll have fellowship and connection and community with each other we'll share some good and refreshing and varied food with each other we'll do just even kind of ordinary life together and it will become extraordinary life in the presence of our Savior, our Creator, the Holy Spirit, our Sanctifier. So we pray, as we begin now to open the Word, God, we pray, come Abba Father, come Lord Jesus, come Holy, Holy Spirit. We pray this to the Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, and we pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Well, I'm looking at your faces right now on uh, the screen on our two-way connection, and I'm seeing that some of you are a little worn down from this week, this month, this quarter. People not even in this room. So before we start the message, let's take a little medicine. Can we do that? The Bible tells us that laughter is the best medicine. So just a couple things I've seen over the past couple of months. It'll be on the screen, and hopefully it's on my screen. So uh, here's just a couple of things that we've seen. Uh, I would never have believed that a few weeks of uncut hair could weigh 20 pounds, but 
That's what the scale says. <laughs> Anybody there? I was uh, blessed to get a haircut uh, a week or two back when things opened back up, but honestly, before that, this is what I looked like. It was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. So I was glad to get a bit of a trim. Uh, here's another one. Um, me, this show is boring. Boss, uh, again, this is a <laughs> Zoom conference. Raise your hand if you are Zoomed out. Okay, all right, yep. Uh, anybody been on a cruise lately? Yeah, we had a lovely time on our cruise. Yeah. They're probably a lot sicker than they look a little too happy right now, too. Uh, some wisdom from Aladdin, you know, do you trust me? And then she, he's got the disinfectant. I can show you the world, but first we're going to have to clean your hands, right? Uh, some of you are forced into homeschooling. This is the homeschool teacher I thought I'd be, and this is the homeschool teacher I am. Things change over time, and we wear down sometimes, right? Uh, another person says, uh, homeschooling is tough. For example, today I had to tell my son that he didn't make our baseball team. That really hurts, even when you just have a kind of a single son. That's kind of hard. This makes some sense of things to me. Uh, on average, a panda feeds for approximately 12 hours a day. And this is the same as an adult at home under quarantine, which is why we call it a pandemic. That makes sense? Good. I haven't heard you on the screen. I heard a couple laughs there. That was good. And that makes kind of sense uh, for this next one, too. I need to practice social distancing from the refrigerator. So close your eyes and just raise your hand if that's you. Okay. Nobody will say. Uh, the next one, uh, you want to travel so bad that you didn't notice, and I didn't at first either, that this is a, a cake. Looks a little bit like the prow of a boat going out in the water, but okay. Uh, two types of people during quarantine. One says, I am taking this time to better myself, and good for you if you're among that group that is. The other says, I, I just ate carrot cake with my hands. So, hey, at least it's a vegetarian, so yeah, you're doing well there. Travel, here was travel plans in 2020, and below is travel plans in the rest of 2020. Just a couple more, okay? Uh, these are the four stages of quarantine because there was quarantine even back in the time of the great artists, uh, Michelangelo and Da Vinci and all. And I've changed the name to protect the innocent here in the Bethany family. You all know who we're talking about at Bethany. So Mrs. Jones got a little too used to watching online worship from home. I'm a little frightened that once we're able to to uh, open back up for on-campus worship. We're still, uh, church hasn't been canceled. We're still uh, experiencing church together. But I'm a little worried that someone's gonna show up uh, in this condition, and it might be me. So, uh, God, thank you for the gift of laughter. Thank you, God, that this morning it is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. And Pentecost, God, thank you that Pentecost is not a, uh, simply a one-time event. Uh, Pentecost was, it was the beginning of something that can't be Rebegun, but it can be revisited, I believe. Even within the book of Acts, you see God fills the early church with the Holy Spirit in the uh, Acts chapter 4. We need multiple fillings of the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at this passage in Acts chapter 2, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And people responded, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in language that we can understand. 
because we're all different. Communication is fraught with challenges. What we think we're saying, what we actually say, what someone thinks they heard, what they actually heard, and how each of our perspectives and experiences and life situation impact uh, that communication process. God's Spirit works to be able to bridge that gap. So this morning, I want to talk about what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to kind of open your Bibles to follow along, but uh, especially to take out the notes, and the notes are there uh, on the same page, I believe, as the uh, live stream options for you. And uh, I'm taking the framework for uh, this morning's message from uh, an extraordinary uh, theologian uh, named uh, J.I. Packer, originally from Oxford, uh, England, and then uh, began part of a migration of some British theologians to the U.S. and Canada. And so he's been at Regent Canada uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia uh, since 1979. He's now 93, 93 years of age, and as I understand it, kind of nearing the end of his life's journey. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called Keep in Step with the Spirit, which has some instructive thoughts about God's Spirit. So he addresses what happens when God visits his people. Sometimes we call it revival. Here's what happens. Number one, God comes down. Number one, God comes down. Isaiah 64. The prophet cries out, and I think we join in. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, tear open the heavens, and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. Isn't this what we all need, no matter what we're facing, whatever the challenges that we're facing, whether it's emotional or financial, whether it's physical or relational, whether it's in our career or our marriage? Oh, that you would rend the heavens, God. Just open up the skies and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. In the book of, of Exodus, uh, the people of Israel, God's people, had been initially taking haven in Egypt, but over time, as the Bible says, a generation arose that knew not Joseph, and they became captives. They became a slave labor. They became uh, deeply oppressed, and they lost all sense of freedom and individuality, and they didn't even have the freedom to worship their God as they would like. And God appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he says, Moses, I have, I have seen the oppression that my children are under. And I have heard their cries. They've reached my ears. And my heart is moved with compassion. And so I've come down to set them free. Not in your notes, but uh, actually in your notes, not on the screen, is Psalm 80, verse 14. Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine. That may be a a strange metaphor to you, but it's a pretty common uh, biblical metaphor that uh, we are God's garden We're the place that God has planted, and he wants us to to bear fruit, both the fruit of the cultivation of the character of of Jesus, but also the fruit of the Spirit, 
When we're filled with God's spirit, what comes down is that God comes down. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something we can push a button. It's not a kind of a formula that we can recite or chant that is the magic words that makes the living God creator of heaven and earth become Santa or become a magic genie. But we sure can pray. And we can pray to the God who loves to give good gifts to his children. And Jesus says, if you who are evil and compared to a living God, every one of us is foul and sinful and broken and not God. And he says, how much more will the God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We've been looking uh, quite steadily at Acts chapter 2, but I want us to take back to uh, the first part of Luke. We've got Luke and we've got Acts. They're actually one book. It's a two-part book. You've got the prequel and the sequel. The prequel is how God works through uh, Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the sequel is how God works through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit through the followers of Jesus who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the parallel to Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost for the early churches, Luke 3, and the baptism of Jesus. Because we read that one day Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus went out to the Jordan River, and he was lowered to the water, and the waters covered him, and then he was raised from that water. And Paul says we're to emulate that baptism of Jesus and receive the new life, the death to the old way of living, even a burial, saying that old way is dead and gone, and then we're raised to new life and receive uh, that cleansing and that empowering that we need. As Jesus was praying, there's a hint about the coming of the Holy Spirit, because in Acts chapters 1, verse 14, and Acts chapter 2 and following, they're praying quite often, and the heavens open, right? So Jesus is praying, and the heavens open. That was the prayer of Isaiah 64. And the Holy Spirit, it says, in bodily form, in a, in a shape that we could see, descended on him like a dove. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, words fail us, descriptions fail us, and so the scriptures use a variety of metaphors for the Holy Spirit to try to get at what he's like. He's like the wind, Jesus said, but you can't see the wind. You can only see what the wind does. In Genesis, we read that the Holy Spirit brooded like a dove, I think, over the chaotic nothingness before God called chaos into order, into a life-giving environment. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is living water. Many other metaphors. One is he's descended on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like a dove. And a voice from heaven, the heavens opened, and from heaven a voice came. And Lord, we want that again today. We want the heavens to open. And we want to hear a voice from heaven. And he said, you are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. Boy, the coming of our kids into the world 
<clears throat> brought us great joy and flooded our hearts. God flooded our hearts with enormous joy when we saw this little person who is a, a miracle of the creative act of God that God allows us as human beings from time to time to enjoy. And when each of our grandchildren came into the world, it gave us an enormous joy. And we were filled with great love. I, I pray even right now that God would just kind of um, let you tune out my voice. Maybe you're already doing that. But God would just let you tune out my voice and hear his voice speaking your name as he did with young Samuel, Samuel, that we'd respond, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I would pray that he would say the words over you that he said over his son, Jesus. You are his beloved son and daughter, dearly loved. How, how dearly loved? Well, God loved you before the world was created, and then he spoke you into existence. Then he placed you in this incredible environment he had created for us to enjoy. Then he sent his son Jesus to show us the depth of the Father's love by dying on the cross for us after living our lives and experiencing all the griefs and joys that humans go through. And then he gave us his spirit and the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5, floods our hearts with the love of God. You bring great joy to the Father. Well, this is the parallel to what we see in the sequel in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place from Acts 1.14. We know they were also praying. And suddenly, there's the wind again, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. And it came from where? It came from heaven. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and the mountains would tremble before you. That wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. May it be with you. May the fire of God rest on you. And all of them, every one of them, no exceptions, all of them gathered, all of the 120, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and the women and the family of Jesus and the mother of Jesus, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. No conditions, no restrictions. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. We'll talk about the content of what we like to talk about when we're filled with the Spirit in a few moments. What happens when revival comes, when God's presence makes himself known, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us? God comes down. Number two, God's word comes home. God's word comes home. In Ephesians 6, we read about the helmet of salvation. And we need the salvation that God provides to extricate us from the mess that we're in. We need our rescuer. We need our savior. And so in this uh, armor of God section of scripture, uh, Paul writes evocatively of the various parts of the body that we need to, to put our armor on as protection. And actually, it's all plural there, as I used to say. It's like the, the Greeks were like uh, the Southerners in the United States who will say, uh, for uh, uh, 
a second person plural, not just y'all, but all y'all. And it's as if the Greek had that ability to convey that. So you and I are to put the armor of God on each other, help each other get dressed. So we're to take the helmet of salvation. That's like when you ride a bike or a motorcycle. You are foolish if you don't wear a helmet because your head is uh, about the strength of an eggshell. We need the protection that comes from knowing that God is our Savior. If you don't know that, you don't even have to break a step in what's happening right now. Just say, God, rescue me. Come be my rescuer. Be my Savior. He'd love to do that. Take the helmet of salvation. And there's many other kind of implements and uh, armaments that we're able to put on for protection. But he says, then take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's word comes home when we're filled with the Spirit, and God's word is influential in opening our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirit, our soul to the Spirit of the living God. So if God's word is the sword of the Spirit, and we put the sword of the Spirit on the shelf, and we don't access the sword, then we're like going to a gunfight with a knife, except that we're going to a gunfight of the difficulties of life and the challenges and the stresses and strains of life and the troubles of life. We're going to a gunfight without a knife and without a sword. And he says, all y'all help each other take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You feel a dryness in your soul, a dryness in your life, a thirst that is never refreshed, you might want to take the sword of the Spirit in your hand. You might want to open the sword of the Spirit. You want to open your heart. You want to ask God to do what he did in Luke 24, open your mind to understand the Scriptures and open the Scriptures to you so that the Spirit of the living God who leverages the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Open the Word on an ongoing basis and see what begins to take place in your life that might not be happening in the absence of the Word. You might be actually doing okay. You're just starving yourself by not feeding on the Word on a regular basis. I think you're doing a great job by being here today by joining together even at a distance, even in a virtual setting. God is not limited by space or time. He is here, moving in our midst. God, we want your word to come home. Open it up to us. I, Ezekiel is one of the prophets in the Old Testament that many people don't read because there's a couple of things that to our American eyes, our North American eyes, our Western civilization eyes, for most of us, don't make a lot of sense. There's wheels within wheels. There's the valley of dead bones. The very beginning of Ezekiel, there's a commissioning that takes place, and a voice comes from heaven and says, uh, not in your notes, but, uh, excuse me, in your notes, not on the screen, says, uh, stand up, son of man, said the voice, 
I want to speak with you. And the Spirit came into me as he spoke. Okay, let's just pause for a minute. We saw just a moment ago that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit that he can use to, to clean things up in our lives, that he can use to give us protection against the, the encroachment of the enemy, of the evil one. And now we see that the Spirit came into me as the living God spoke. What do we need to do to be filled with the Spirit? Well, it, I would suggest that under that first category of kind of God comes down, we saw that Jesus was praying when the Holy Spirit came on him. We saw that the early church, the early believers, were all together, joined together constantly in prayer. And they were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came down. We know that the Spirit works through God's Word. The Spirit inspired the Word of God. The Spirit illuminates the Word of God to help us to understand it and applies it to our heart. But also the Spirit speak, comes into us as God speaks. How often are you in a place where God can speak to you? One suggestion in the era that we're living in is to be sure that we, uh, in our lives there are so many voices. And in some ways, the voices in our world, and our culture are louder because we're at home and we're kind of desperate for a word from the outside world. We feel a little isolated. And so we get a little desperate to hear human voice. And, and so we turn on the radio, we turn on the television, and we just kind of want to occupy, we kind of want to stuff our brains and our spirit with white noise so we don't feel so desperately alone. But when we do that, it's hard to hear the whisper of God who doesn't scream in our face till he's red in his face, but whispers. Remember that beautiful vision that Elijah saw in 1 Kings 17 through 19 when he was exhausted from ministry. He was exhausted from the attack of uh, King Ahab seeking his life. He was petrified. He was worn out. He needed a break. He needed a rest. He needed a good meal or two. And God came to him in a cave after he spent 40 days to isolate himself from other voices. He spent 40 days. And there was wind and storm as if it was a raging tornado but God was not in the wind and there was a, a fire that passed by and well you know you've been in the presence of God if you're Moses right and you get that that burning bush and if we don't see a fire in our lives then we're wondering is, is God really at work but God was not in the fire it says in first Kings and then came what then came a still quiet whisper and if we never create space for God to speak he may be speaking quite a bit just waiting for us to hear and respond the spirit came into me as the living God spoke he set me on my feet and I listened carefully to his words. That's the proper approach, I think you'd agree. He said to me, son of man, I'm sending you to the nation of Israel. They are a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. In case we get the, miss the point, they're a rebellious nation. That's who they are. That's their character. And let's talk about their behavior, their actions that has rebelled against me. 
They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They've not stopped. They're still doing it. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. When reading scripture, there's always a danger. There's a number of dangers that we can uh, uh, misread scripture. And one is maybe in this situation is going, oh, those people of Israel, I'm so glad that I'm not like them. I'm not rebellious. I've not rebelled against God. I've not been rebelling against God to this very day. I'm not stubborn. I'm not hard-hearted. And sometimes I think God's word is given to us, and this might be a case in point, for us to kind of pause and say, God, are there ways where I think I'm your beloved son, I think I bring you great delight, but are there ways where I am resistant to what you want in my life, that I am rebellion, in rebellion against you, that I am stubborn, that I am hard Hearted. It's an easy tendency for us as human beings to become hard-hearted. And just sometimes to protect ourselves from the pain that we experience in our lives, we just put up walls. And we're safe behind our walls, we think. But we're never safe when we're heart-hearted because then our we are unable to receive and to welcome and to experience and enjoy the love of God that the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5.5, 5, wants to pour out into our hearts. They're stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I'm sending you to say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Verse 7, you must give them my messages whether they listen or not. The prophet Ezekiel had a tough choice, a tough challenge, tough calling. You must give them my messages whether they listen or not, but they won't listen, just to let you know ahead of time, because they are completely rebellious. They won't listen. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. And then things get real weird, as they do and sometimes in Ezekiel. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Okay, maybe this is like Elijah, and God's going to give him a meal to refresh him. Well, he is. Uh, Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And I looked, and I saw a hand reaching out to me, and it held a scroll, a scroll which he unrolled. And the voice said to me, verse 8, Son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. (laughs) And the beloved late Spiritual formation author Eugene Peterson, the translator of The Message, wrote a whole book on this verse called Eat This Book, not referring to his own book, but the word of God that he gives us. Eat this book, eat this scroll, then go and give its message to the people of Israel. I want you to, to, in, to, to take in my word, and, and I want it to metabolize and begin to nourish you and and transform you as good and healthy food only can do. And what is Ezekiel's response? I opened my mouth, verse 2 of chapter 3, and he fed me the scroll. He said, fill your stomach with this. 
And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Honey, in the Old Testament particularly, is one of the great gifts that people would enjoy in the ancient world and in the modern world, I think, as well. Because of the sweetness and the refreshment and because of the nourishment that can come for it. God's word is as sweet as honey. The psalmist also says this, as you know, right? I opened my mouth, he fed me the scroll, and my stomach was filled with it. And when I ate it, I tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Maybe you've got a dry taste in your mouth right now. Maybe you've got a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Open your mouth. Eat the word of God. Absorb the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Study the word of God. Put into practice the word of God. And some sweetness will come into your life that will transform your existence. Colossians 3, verse 16 says, let the message about Christ, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Elijah was told, may this fill your stomach. Now, Colossians sent from Paul, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other. It's not just about individualization. It is about interpersonal relationship and interdependency. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that God and God alone gives that Christ, the anointed one, the one filled with the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that he gives. In fact, sing psalms. Those come straight from the word of God and hymns. There are many hymns throughout the pages of scripture. And then songs from the scripture, which many people believe are just spontaneous songs that kind of God gives his people or God gives his church. I, I grew up in a, a season called the, the Jesus Movement. It was actually kind of a second or third wave of spiritual formation uh, 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 experiences that, that took place in my life when I was uh, in my, te my teens in my early 20s, and there'd be just little song, little snippets of songs. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Just simple little songs sometimes that God plants in your spirit that comes back to me over 40 years later songs from the spirit there was a little chorus that sort of just repeated three words over and over and over we used to sing this many years ago what a merciful 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 God what a merciful 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 God, what a merciful, merciful, merciful God you are. And God's spirit can move in just a little snippet of a song. And something about music is music comes to mind so much more readily than numbers do about you. Numbers, it's hard for me to kind of even remember I was watching a television show with uh, Stephanie and Sherry the other day from Great Britain called Grandchester, and the guy witnessed a hit-and-run accident. 
and, and, had the, and, and saw the license plate of the car as it sped off, but in the kind of the business and the trauma, had forgotten it when his uh, police friend came and asked him, yeah I, I, yeah, I saw the plate, what is it? He said, I, I'll tell you when I remember it. And then moments later, or, or like some time later, he was kind of visualizing the moment, and then he saw that that would never, never in a million years happen to me <laughs> to recall numbers. You could say, hi, I am Chad Lowry, and give me your phone number, and ask me to repeat it, and 10 seconds later I'd go, excuse me, what was your name again, sir? <laughs> you know, and much less the numbers. But music has a way, God made music and he made us in such a way that we have receptors in our ears, in our brains, in our bodies such that music resonates with us and God's spirit. And sometimes God's word, if we sing songs that come from his word, you are here moving in our midst. We worship you. We worship you. What happens when revival comes? God comes down. God's word comes home. Number three, God's purity comes through. We can't look very long at this. God's purity comes through. Think of Isaiah 6 where I saw the Lord high and lifted up and immediately when he does, he's overwhelmed and staggered by the beauty and the majesty and the holiness of God, he falls on his face before God and he is immediately aware, woe is me, I am a man of sinful lips and I live among a world, culture, people of sinful lips, but my eyes have seen the King, the Holy One, and God purifies him at the point of his sinfulness. Ezekiel 36 talks about the purification that comes from the Spirit. Uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols. And I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my instructions. The spirit of the living God brings the purity of God and begins to wash us from our impurity. And how often do we need to be washed from our impurity? Uh, as many times as we live out that impurity, express that impurity. When we sin, it's time to confess our sin, acknowledge our sin. And God is faithful. First John 1, 8 and 9 says, God is faithful and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then when we sin, we ask again, and God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Holy Spirit comes to cleanse us. John said, Luke 3, 16, John said, I baptize you with water. I take you and I plunge you. I immerse you in water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I, and he's going to plunge you into the Holy Spirit himself. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And with fire. When I was one, I had, well, younger, uh, I, after my college years, at the close of my college years, and uh, just kind of beginning my, my life after college, I wanted God to fill me with his Holy Spirit as I began to study the Holy Spirit and the importance of his work. 
And I hadn't studied it much earlier in my life, and I wanted him to fill me with the Spirit. And at that time, I thought that certain things would take place, that I read in God's Word some of it, or people would share and say, if you're filled with the God's Spirit, this will happen to you. One of which was, you'll, you'll speak in tongues, or you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you'll have a certain kind of even a, a not so much an emotional, almost like a physical experience of the love of God. And I prayed for that, and I asked for that, and had people pray over me and ask for that, and on and on and on, and I felt a great sense of dryness. I was going through a period of suffering in my life, a period of uh, a deep loneliness and isolation, and I'd gone through a series of excruciating losses that I didn't have the language to identify as being essentially a post-traumatic stress survivor. I was in deep pain and kept waiting for that refreshment, that love of God to kind of overflow in my heart and felt a deep sense of dryness. Prayed and prayed and prayed. Many years I prayed and, and then I went through an even more excruciating experience in my life as a young man. And I thought this is just destroying me and a gifted mentor named Colin Brown, professor of systematic theology at Fuller Seminary, in talking about this first, talked about the cleansing that fire represents in Scripture. And I looked back at my life and I looked at some of the pain and the suffering I'd been through and I recognized that my life had begun to change. So that when uh, Sherry and I got married and we had our first daughter, I felt something happen in me when Stephanie was born. Weird, uh, you know, not so much sympathetic but I felt something happen here when Stephanie was born. And I was filled with a love for this person I'd never met before. And there was a softening and there was a breaking of that wall that I had created to keep people at a distance so that my heart didn't get destroyed or shattered. And I recognized that God, in his love, had enabled me to go through a baptism with fire. And that through that, my character was beginning to develop and to grow because I'd have given anything not to go through the pain. But I'd actually give anything to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it comes through fire. Sometimes something needs to be purged and cleansed within us. And then God can plant something of new life that can spring up that otherwise wouldn't have room. J.I. Packer puts it this way in the book from which I've gotten my outline. Uh, Keep in step with the Spirit. He says, as God uses his word to quicken consciences, the perverseness, ugliness, uncleanness, and guilt of sin are seen and felt with new clarity. And the depth of each person's own sinfulness is realized as never before. Believers, believers, yeah, we need to be humbled too. Believers are deeply humbled, he says. Unbelievers are made to feel that living as they do with sin and without God is intolerable, and the forgiveness of sins becomes the most precious truth in the creed. And what begins to happen when God cleanses us through his Holy Spirit, because that's one of the things that the Spirit does. There's another metaphor, not as pleasant and joyous as the, the breath of God or the, the wind of God is the fire. When God cleanses us, then there's space for the Holy Spirit to begin working in that ground that's been broken up and 
Galatians 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's word comes down. Excuse me, God comes down. God's word comes home to our hearts. God's purity comes through. And the last, we just have to touch on. God's people come alive. Do you feel dead inside? Do you feel a little lifeless right now? Do you feel like the stress of living in our culture or the monotonous, unstopping COVID-19 sense of just being cooped up? Do you feel like a life is drained out of you? Acts 2, we return to. Acts 2, verses 4 and 11, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. What did they speak? Every, the visitors from every nation under heaven said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God. That's what I love about worship. It's what worship essentially is. Sometimes it's pouring out our hearts to God, but often it's just declaring the wonders of God in words that even we can understand. Last we're going to look at is Romans 6.11. You should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. Let me give you two things. I encourage you to pray. God, I'm going to give you more than two because that's typical. That's a numbers thing, right? I'm better with music than numbers. We talked about that already, right? Number one, open your heart to God. Say, God, is there anything here that needs to be cleansed? There usually is in my life. I invite the baptism with fire. Because I trust you, God. You love me. Fire is not just a de destroyer in totality. Fire is a tool that you use to bring cleansing. I invite you to come. And then ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus said God will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. Maybe we should ask. <laughs> not just wonder, where is, he? where is he? We should ask. Ask him. And ask him again. And ask him every day. Consider yourselves alive to God. Thank you, God, that I am alive to you. God, I feel a little dead right now, but your word says I am alive to God through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, God who saves. God, help me to live out the aliveness to God that you say is a part of my identity and destiny. Make me alive to you, God. And when this happens... Dr. Packer adds a fifth. Outsiders come in. Outsiders come in. Our worship team is going to come up right now, and the passage that we'll just read in closing is about worship. It says, if all of you, all y'all are prophesying, in other words, hearing God share his word with you and sharing that then as God asks you, as appropriate, with others. If all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things even come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed. It can be a frightening thing to be in relationship to God, but it's far more frightening to be off in a corner with your secret 
thoughts that are eating you up inside. Open your heart to God. Say, God, you have access. I open myself to you, God. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God. These are outsiders. These are people who don't know God yet. But they'll fall to the knees, their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. God, I believe I started my message asking Kelsey and our worship team to lead us again just in that little bridge. You are here, moving in this place. I worship you. I worship you. And now we're going to worship again because we're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of God. You're in a sanctuary. You look around and going, Pastor Doug, if you could see this room I'm in right now, which room it might be in my house or my backyard, and you look around and the way it looks after three months of coronavirus, stay-at-home, safer-at-home orders, you're in a sanctuary. The living God is right where you are. You're on holy ground. Living God, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to flood our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. We ask you, God, we want to build our lives on you, not on ourselves, not on we do, God. I'm going to mix up the, uh, the worship team by referring to two different songs at the same time. They're going to lead what they're going to lead, and we're going to sing, and we're just going to open our hearts. God, we are not perfect. You know that. Cleanse what is, what is wrong in our hearts. Burn that which is not gold. Make us more like your son, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open your word to us and open our minds to understand your word. Purify us. And wash us and fill us with the living water. We ask in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Let's